Our gospel reading today comes from the gospel according to Luke chapter 8, verses 40 through 56. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. Just then, there came a man named Jairus, a leader of the synagogue. He fell at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years old, who was dying. As he went, the crowds pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years, and though she had spent all she had on physicians, no one could cure her. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his clothes, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. Then Jesus asked, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and press in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I noticed that the power had gone out from me. When the woman saw that she could not remain hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been healed, immediately healed. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher any longer. When Jesus heard this, he replied, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be saved. When he came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. They were all weeping and wailing for her, but he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and called out, Child, get up. Her spirit returned, and she got up at once. Then he directed them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astounded, but he ordered them to tell no one what had happened. May God bless the reading of the word. Thanks be to God. Well, as always, it is a joy to be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. We've had a really special couple of weeks with Palm Sunday and Easter. And I think always when we get to Easter Sunday, we all take a deep breath and we feel a lightness, the celebration. And part of that is because we have made it through the 40 days of Lent, of prayer and fasting, of focusing on our humanity. But throughout Lent, we did have a series where we focused on that, humanity's condition, the human propensity to sin, to stray, to rebel. We talked about stories in the Old Testament from Adam and Eve to the Tower of Babel, the wilderness wanderings. And then on Easter morning, we celebrated that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we have hope. Though our human condition remains the same, we have an assurance for life beyond this one in eternity with our Savior. So today we are beginning a new series that kind of builds off the previous series called Humanity's Healing. In it, we will be going through New Testament healing and miracle accounts and consider what these stories tell us about God and about humanity. We celebrate this healing knowing that the cross has defeated death and brought wholeness and restoration to all of creation. So to get us get our brains going this morning, I want you to think to yourself about what it means to be healed. What does healing mean to you? If you were to ask Siri or Google about healing, it would say something like this. The process of making or being sound or healthy again. 
So I wonder, does this sound right to you, being healed, making or being sound and healthy again? Is that all that healing is, or does it contain something more? You know, Jesus performed many miracles throughout his time on earth. One of my favorite Bible verses is the very last verse in the Gospel of John. And I love it because it just makes my mind want to explode with possibilities. And this is what it says. This is after John has written all about the life, ministry, miracles of Jesus. He says this, There are also many other things that Jesus did. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. That's pretty amazing. But the number of miracles and healings that we have recorded from Jesus is about 37 throughout the Gospels. And these healings vary. Some of these healings seem to be physical or social healing. Some of them are relational or spiritual healing. And then, of course, we have stories like this one from today, when it seems to contain a little bit of all four. This account of the hemorrhaging woman and the little 12-year-old girl is present in the three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And it is a story within another story. It begins with a synagogue leader who has heard about Jesus' healing and wonder-working power. He comes and finds Jesus and falls at his feet, begging Jesus to come and help him. He says, my daughter, my only daughter, who's 12 years old, is dying, and I need you to come and help me. It seems that Jesus has agreed because he's walking with Jairus on the way to his home when he is interrupted by somebody else who needs his help who needs the healing power of Jesus. Luke tells us that a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years and had spent all the money she had, she had been to all the doctors and no one could cure her. Imagine her desperation. I kind of imagine that she kind of snaked her way through the crowd. Maybe she even crawled to get in there to get close to Jesus because she had this deep conviction that if she could at least touch Jesus... She knew in her bones that that she would be healed. And so believing this, she approaches Jesus from behind and touches just the fringe of his clothes. Instantly, Jesus knows that this has happened because as he feels the power leave him, she feels the bleeding stop, and she knows that she has been healed. Jesus asked the crowd, "'Who touched me in that moment?' This woman could have crept away, knowing that she had already received what she came for. And also considering the huge crowd, she could have easily snaked back through the crowd to get away from all the people. But that's not what she does. Trembling, she too falls to the feet of Jesus and recounts the whole truth about what has happened. Jesus does not respond to her in anger, but with mercy and grace. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. The Greek word that's used here, to be made well, involves more than just bodily health. In the context of this story, it suggests a holistic sense of well-being and restoration. The healing that Jesus gives this woman is beyond stopping her hemorrhage. In his public acknowledgement of her, his declaration of her healing and pronouncement of her faith, Jesus has restored her to life. 
As soon as Jesus announces to this woman that she is healed and has been made whole, he is interrupted yet again. Somebody else comes forward from the house of Jairus to tell Jairus and Jesus that it is too late, that there's no reason for them to even come to the house anymore, that the daughter has passed. We may expect sympathy or condolences from Jesus in this moment, but instead what he says is, do not fear, only believe, and she will be saved. Now this is an odd thing to say in front of a father who has just lost his 12-year-old child. It seems a little insensitive and maybe even a little strange that Jesus assumes that they are afraid in this moment. But as always, Jesus can see the fullness of time well beyond our eyesight. So Jesus does continue the journey with Jairus to the house, to the daughter. When they arrive, there are people all outside wailing and crying over the loss of this precious 12-year-old girl. When Jesus declares that the little girl was not dead but only sleeping, how did these people respond? They laughed. They laughed at Jesus. When you think about this laughter contrasted with the incredible faith of this woman who had been hemorrhaging for 12 years, fought her way through the crowds to touch Jesus, and even Jairus, who had hope against hope that Jesus could make something good come out of this situation, their laughter serves to add tension to this story. After Jesus takes the girl's hand and calls her to rise, the disbelieving laughter turns to astonishment. Once again, Jesus has done something that nobody else could do. He brings heal healing, wholeness, and restoration to a situation that was once thought totally done. You know, there are a lot of similarities in these two stories, and in all of the three gospel accounts, they're written this way, where it's a story within a story, and there are interruption after interruption. But both stories involve things like two females who are in dire straits. They both involve a problem that made them ritually unclean, Bleeding or dying made it where you're not supposed to touch a person, but in both, Jesus allows the intimacy of touch to lead to healing. In both accounts, Jesus calls these women not by their given names, but by relational names. He calls them daughter, and he calls her child. In both cases, the prerequisite to the healing itself is faith. Faith that Jesus can do something outside of the realm of human possibility. And both stories contain a divine healing. The woman is sent away in peace, and the child is revived to life. But even with all the similarities, there are some striking differences in these two accounts. One of the healings involves a child who is 12 years old, while the other account has a woman who has been bleeding 12 years, the same amount of years that the child has been alive. In the case of the 12-year-old, her daughter, the father comes on her behalf to petition for her life to save her. In the case of the hemorrhaging woman, she has no one and must come to Jesus and advocate for herself. The woman only has to touch the hem of Jesus' cloak to be healed. In the case of the 12-year-old, Jesus has to go to her house, take her hands, and call out to her before the spirit returned to her body. The hemorrhaging woman has faith in Jesus that he can heal her. And in the account with the 12-year-old, 
It's the father, it's the mother, it's all the other people having faith on behalf of the 12-year-old. And finally, when the woman was healed, the whole crowd heard about her healing. They knew that something miraculous had taken place and that Jesus sent her away made well. But in the account with the 12-year-old, Jesus told them to tell nobody what had happened. So again, we must wrestle with the question, what does it mean to be healed? And how does our faith play a role in us understanding healing? But there's something else that I think is worth noting in this story, in the way that it's written in all three Gospels with the interruptions. This did not happen on a Sunday morning in a church service or in a synagogue. This was not Jesus going out on his Monday mission day to perform his miracles to see how many people he could heal in a day. Both of these healings took place as an interruption. Even the process of the healing itself was interrupted. So when we hold these two stories together, the 12-year-old girl and the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, we find that healings are not always logical or linear. They can't be put on our calendars or understood sequentially, mainly because, as the book of Isaiah says, my ways are not your ways, nor are my thoughts your thoughts, says the Lord. We have to think that this woman, who had been chronically ill for 12 years, must have wondered once, if not twice, if the healing would ever come for her. And when Jairus heard that his daughter had died, he heard the finality of that. He must have thought there was no more hope. But with these stories, Jesus shows us that healing can come in many forms and in many unexpected ways. I've shared before from my personal life that my dad was sick throughout my life. He was terminally ill. He was sick with Parkinson's before I was born and multiple myeloma cancer later on. But day after day, week after week, year after year, people prayed for his healing. And I don't just mean like family and friends, but the churches he served. I mean, there were hundreds of people praying desperately that he would be relieved of his pain, that he could be restored to life. But all the while, he continued to get sicker and sicker, and this was really hard for us to understand, and especially other people. I remember people coming up to my mom towards the end of his life and saying, why won't God just heal him? I don't understand. And my mom, being the wise person that she is, would say, I know God's going to heal him. It just may not be in this lifetime. And then I had an experience that had the opposite outcome. Just last year, one of my best friend's dads went into cardiac arrest while he was at the gym. And he was the picture of health. There was no signs this was coming. He was perfectly healthy. And while he was at the gym, he coded before someone brought him back with CPR and he was rushed to the hospital. So he was in a coma on a ventilator and we did not know how those minutes or seconds while he had coded would affect him if he were to wake back up. So people prayed day after day, hour on the hour, minute on the minute for him to be restored to life. And miraculously, he was. He is back to living his full life now, including surfing. I mean, he is totally back to normal. And that to me is a miraculous healing. 
And when I look at these two men who were and are men of great faith, they both were men who had hundreds of people praying for them. I don't know why healing happens in this life for some people and it doesn't happen for other people. But I do know from my mom's witness and from my own experience with God that they were both healed in a way that only God could ordain. The good news for those of us who are Easter people, who do believe in the power of the resurrection, is that while we still experience the fullness of the human condition while we're here, while we all stand in need of divine healing, we know where we are going. We know for whom we are living, and we know that our God longs to bring healing and wholeness to all of creation. So where do you need healing today? These stories remind us that divine healing may come as an interruption, or it may come in a way that we don't expect. It may take longer than we would hope, or it may come in an instant. But by grace, our routines of sin can be broken, a 12-year chronic illness can end, and we can be assured that even death will not have the final word. I don't know what healing looks like for you or for me, but I do know that God can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask for or imagine. So let us rest in that knowledge today, knowing that the Lord is good. In the name of God, our creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen.